welcome to issue one of the Attention Span newsletter by me, Janan Marashligil. I'm a writer, a literary translator, an artist, and a curator of cultural programs based in Amsterdam. Every other week, I take the time to reflect and offer a glimpse of how I see the world through the lens of culture, art, translation, poetry, and literature. Each issue has a short essay, a nerdy look at translation, a page from one of my notebooks, a list of things to read, watch, or listen to. If you prefer an audio experience, you can listen to me reading the newsletter to you in this podcast. And you can also support my work via Patreon. The Essay The hope we carry in our votes and laughter. In 1978, documentary photographer Bertine van Manne, who was capturing the lives of female immigrant workers, photographed the first ever strike of Turkish women in the Netherlands at a chicken factory in Almelo. The women had to work 80 hours per week, were severely underpaid and underwent serious physical discomforts because they had to process the sizzling hot chicken meat with their bare hands. I first came across one of those photographs at Atria, the Institute on Gender Equality and Women's History in Amsterdam, in 2016. Five women stand in front of a banner that says Turkish Women on Strike. Three of them wear a headscarf, including the one in the middle who is looking right into the camera. She's the one who invited me into the moment. She has a powerful and tender gaze which, to me, represents far more than just the strike and carries many emotions from pain to hope of the history of Turkish immigration to Western Europe. A gaze researcher and photographer Chidam Yüksel has been honoring in the past few years by conducting research about these women, reclaiming their position in the archive through their own voice and agency. On 14 May 2023, Turkish citizens are invited to the polls in an election that may bring significant change. Those of us with a Turkish passport living abroad have been able to cast our vote last week. In her poignant documentary, Men Turksustem, My Turkish Vote, My Turkish Voice, journalist Suzanne Yücel tells her own story as a holder of both Turkish and Dutch nationalities, of how she moved away from voting for current President Recep Tayyip Erdogan in the past, questioning her choice and its consequences in a country where she does not live. The film also recounts how her journey conflicted with her parents' political views, who both still vote for the AKP leader. While triggered by many conservative views expressed in the documentary, I was moved by Suzanne's story and the love they carry for one another within her family. Despite their differences, they have worked towards a way not to polarize further. They have chosen to heal while going their own way and respecting one another. And yet, even though Yujel's story offers some hope and understanding, 
the pain remains palpable. Let me recount you my voting experience back in April 2017, when Turkish nationals were invited to vote in a referendum for the constitutional amendment that transformed the system in Turkey into an executive presidency. In the immense Congress Center turned into a Turkish polling place in Amsterdam, and where your parking ticket will be reimbursed courtesy of the Turkish taxpayers' money, I saw this young woman standing in the middle of the gigantic, ugly, neon-lit grayish-white room, dressed in a spectacular wedding gown, covered from head to toe in pristine white, her face enclosed with white satin, shining in perfect makeup. She was taming her fluffy skirt while her groom stood beside her in his pale blue tie and navy jacket. They were getting ready to have the happiest moment of their lives, being immortalized on camera. They had chosen to make this instant in history and this insipid space a part of their union. I couldn't help but think of a delusional Norma Desmond getting ready for her close-up in Sunset Boulevard. Except we were not in Hollywood but a rather more menacing mise-en-scene of a democracy. As I was approaching one of the many polling stations surrounding the bride, I was greeted by two men who told me there needed to be three people to register me. Hassan? Where's Hassan? He went to pray. I moved to the next station, when I still on the bride, trying to understand why she decided to perform her happiness in this ugliest imaginable space where members of a nation were to decide if they would further normalize and consolidate the powers of a president on his road to authoritarianism. This performance was a demonstration of the relationship of people of Turkey with their state and it disturbingly recalled what Umberto Eco has described as Ur-Fascism. The current regime had taken over all layers of Turkish society and confirmed its power over the past 20 years, replacing all the forms of undemocratic practices many had escaped before that. My passport wasn't enough to register my vote. They still asked for my Turkish ID. It will be easier, otherwise we need to ask your father's name, which was very handily printed at the back of my gender-specific pink ID right next to my mother's name and the religion I was born into. This was the only place in Europe where neither my name nor my father's, Abdullah, were frowned upon. I voted. I was offered a baklava on my way out, served on an immense aluminum plate courtesy of the newlyweds. I exited the Congress Hall and jumped on my bike. Ten minutes later, I was at the Free University of Amsterdam listening to Judith Butler delivering a lecture on bodies that still matter. The first thought that came to my mind while leaving the polling center on that April day back in 2017 was, I am not one of them. Certain that I was not lost among the polyphony of hateful discourses like they were. 
I quickly realized this very feeling made me fall into the same divisive narrative I thought I was critical of. Yes, the choice was one or the other. Don't all referenda create division among societies? But the reasons behind any of these choices can be multiple. I had assumed the bride voted yes. She was celebrating, after all, not only her marriage to her husband, but to her almighty-to-be-powerful leader. Her choice was going to deny the existence of my fellow queer citizens, of my own deliberately child-free existence, of journalists seeking the truth, of academics practicing critical thinking, of artists and writers' freedom to create. It will deny us all imagination. It pains me deeply to review these words I wrote six years ago, to see how much suffering has been perpetrated throughout those past years on all the communities I have just listed. Today, on the 6th of May 2023, I went to vote for the general elections, this time with an ID card liberated from binary gender colored paperwork. I was back in the same Congress Center where the bride took her wedding picture six years ago. Is she still married to the man with the pale blue tie? Is she happy? Will she vote again in the same way? I approached the polling station, all smiles. The young woman registering me had a nose piercing like me. She was enthusiastic and energetic. We exchanged laughs, carrying our hope. I voted. Away from a country where I live, but where my heart is strongly rooted. I find solace in defining myself as a European other, as described by Fatima Al-Tayeb in her 2004 book European Others, Queering Ethnicity in Post-National Europe. The women striking in Almelo, the researchers and the journalists like Chida Muxel and Suzanne Ujel, reclaiming our voices and redefining what it means to be Europeans with Turkish descent, me creating the space to express my thoughts, we all reclaim the otherness which was imposed on us by context we live in. It brings me hope that our experiences can be recognized as complex and beyond binary definitions of identity. Our freedom and imagination have to be rooted in the possibility to heal. Some thoughts on translation. I was recently working from Turkish to English on a few lines from a poem by Nilgün Marmara, quoted in an essay I am translating for an upcoming anthology. And I wanted to share the two versions I came up with to show you how subjective, complex and filled with contradictions and imagination the gesture of literary translation can be. So here are the original lines. Onun bedeni bir kule. İçinde çok basamak, karanlık ve nemli. Güldürerek çıkarır merdivenlerden. Ağlatarak indirir aşağı. And now the translated lines. First version. Your body is a tower. The steps inside are manifold, dark and humid. You climb up in laughter, come down in cries. And here's the second version. Her body is a tower. 
with steps inside manifold, dark and humid. The climb is joyful and the descent tearful. As you can see, the choices are based on a variety of things. The second person versus the third person. One is gendered, the other isn't, and the grammar of Turkish allows uh, for a non-gendered approach in the third person. One has rhyme, the other one doesn't. Well, I do love both versions. In the end, I chose the second one for the anthology because it seemed important to highlight the female voice, since the essay is written from a queer perspective and it was important to reclaim the she that society rejects for gender non-confirming and trans people. Now, a few tips for you, what I'm listening to, watching, reading. Max Richter's Earth Day concert on BBC Radio is available for a couple more weeks to listen to online. It's always a joy to listen to Richter's work, uh, as well as his thoughts on the world and why he makes music. Then a short film about 14 minutes on uh, Arte about a tiny island in Scotland called Rum, which was nicknamed the Forbidden Island. It's short, it's a bit of escapism, and it's quite beautiful. And also, I love Scotland. And then my reading tip would be this article in the New York Times, Why is a day job seen as the mark of an artist's failure? This piece is about an exhibition in Texas, which uh, presents artists discussing the jobs they have or had. And if you don't have uh, New York Times subscriptions, I will also link to the radio show of Monocle Radio, where they discuss uh, this topic. It's a subject I find important, especially when you know how precarious the lives of cultural workers, writers and artists uh, is. And last but not least, I am sharing a page uh, from one of my notebooks. Since I mentioned Fatima Al-Tayeb's book in the essay I just read to you, I thought I'd share this page from a small notebook I bought in the French city of Avignon in 2015. I only started writing in it in 2017, and it's one of the first notebooks welcoming my poetry. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share this newsletter with your friends, on your social media and more. You can also support my work for 3 euros a month via my Patreon page. I will link to everything in the show notes. <laughs>